solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to a Locked On Thursday edition Locked On Texans, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major platforms. And I do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. Thank you to our friends over at McDonald's for always being there. I am one half of your co-host of today's show, Everyday Show, John Hickman, of course, joined by Cody Davis. And you guys are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to talk Texan. Get them folks a rundown. Let's get into it. <laughs> yes, sir. And on this Thursday installment of Locked on Texans, John and I are actually going to look and do, do like a mini preview of what can we expect from the Houston Texans for the second half of the season? Mainly, what is something that can actually be encouraging for this organization, even in an event that they do not win another game? And then we're going to close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans. There's a lot of turmoil with this organization, and it has fractured the relationship with the fan base. So, of course, John and I want to talk about just some ways yes. that the Texans can actually help restore their faith with this fan base. But, ladies and gentlemen, to kick this to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans off, there is somewhat of a power struggle going on between upper management and the coaching staff, i.e. there is a power struggle going on between David Cully and Nick Asirio. This is something that I've actually been, been hinting at that was going on by a source, and it actually makes sense, especially if you guys had an opportunity to listen to um, the interview that we did with Kim Davis on yesterday because she made a very good point that I'm going to touch on in a little bit. But, you know, before we start talking about this power struggle that nine times out of ten is going on off of 610 and Kirby, What's the state of the Houston Texans right now? Well, this is an organization that is one and eight. They're on an eight game losing streak entering the bye. You might as well say one and nine because there is no way in hell I could see this organization beating the Tennessee Titans when they come back. However, what is the power struggle? <laughs> However, what is the power struggle <laughs> that is going on between David Cully and Nick Casario? Well, first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, regardless how you feel about David Cully, this is a guy who wants to win. And he doesn't want to be a one-win head coach. He doesn't want to be known as arguably, if not the worst coach in franchise history. And Kim Davis said something very interesting on yesterday's installment of Locked On Texans. She said, at the end of the day, David Culley takes a lot of flack on, you know, getting this head coaching job, never being a coordinator in the NFL, which is still important. I don't want to downplay that. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who has spent his entire life around a game of football. This is a guy who has spent, what, the last 30, maybe 40 years of his life being somewhat of a coach in football, rather than be, be on the collegiate level or in the NFL like he has spent over the last 20 to 25 years. At the end of the day, David Cully still knows football. He still has a common sense of what to do or what not to do in terms of 
of, of putting together a game plan in terms of what type of calls you should make in order to win that game. However, on the flip side of things, this is something that I talked about. John talked about it. Kim Davis talked about it. You heard on yesterday, Kim Davis says that Nick Casario is actually calling plays in the booth. Why is there a power struggle between those two parties? Nick Casario isn't worried about winning the games on Sundays. Nick Casario is more interested in the long-term view of the Houston Texans. He isn't worried about winning against the Miami Dolphins. That is probably why we saw this team kick a field goal from the two-yard line. This is not a general manager who's worried about whether or not the Houston Texans can win against the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. You're looking at two games in which when we go back and you take a look at those games, there were questionable decisions on the field that actually hurt this team to win those games. Now, John, before I give the floor over to you, you see what I did there? I took three games, the Dolphins, the Panthers, and the Patriots, three games that the Texans could have and should have won that would have given them a record entering their bye week of a 4-5 and five record. If the Texans had a 4-5 and five record as of right now in the draft was, let's say, on Saturday, this will be an organization that probably would pick in somewhere in the middle of the pack of the NFL draft, which means they will be missing out on the top prize of this year's draft in Kevon Thibodeau or whoever you think the top prospects is going to be. They're going to be outside the top 10. However, on the flip side of things, because Nick Casario, of course, has a lot more influence and a lot more power in terms of what the Houston Texans are doing from a week-to-week basis, they are sitting at one and eight. And if the draft was on Saturday, this will be an organization that will be picking number two. Yeah, there's a couple of things that I want to hit on, you know, uh, with this conversation. And I think it's a very important conversation in terms of giving Casario the grace, not Casario, Cully the grace that he deserves. If you sit at one and eight and you, as fans, as media members, players, when you view some of the decisions that have been made on Sundays or Thursday, you know, the questionable boneheaded decisions that takes away from the grace that players, fans, and maybe players around the league outside of your team will possibly give you, right? And I think that, uh, not Casario, Cully, who, by the way, remember the uh, Kemp Casario? <laughs> yeah. That, right? Like, 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 let's talk about it. It was not Kemp Cully, excuse me. It was Camp Casario. It was, you know, everything was revolved around Nick Casario. And if I'm a first-year head coach coming into an organization that has so much mess and cleanup, I think I should be able to, you know, jokingly or not jokingly, I think I should be able to at least have it Camp Cully or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. been, it was called Camp Casario. So, you know, I think this conversation does allow Cully to get a little bit more grace than what he's been given. Now, exactly. that grace may come from you, me, listeners, viewers, and the Texan fans. We have not allowed him the grace that he may should have, especially, guys, the conversation that Cody and I had off camera. I do want to say this. It is very alarming that Nick Serio is in the press box, in the booth, where plays are being called. I'm sorry. I just, you know... This was mentioned on yesterday's show with Kim Davis. That was an amazing episode. If you guys haven't saw it, 
please go check out yesterday's episode, yesterday's podcast. But, you know, I don't want my GM in the mix like that. I don't. You know, I want my GM in the mix of scouting. I want my GM in the mix of contracts. I want, I, You know what? Perfect example. I don't want my GM to be like Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien was the GM de facto. Bill O'Brien was the head coach. Bill O'Brien was, you know, he was everything basically for this team. I don't want that anymore if I'm anybody viewing the Houston Texans, you know, and I think this is a very segue into, you know, how we're going to end out the show talking about what can the Texans do to rebuild that trust between the fans. Another thing is whenever Cody, you're at the game on Sundays, whenever Cully is asked about a certain situation that seems to be, you know, an easy call to make, but he went the opposite way, i.e. going for uh, going for a field goal you know, the two-yard line down by 11. Or, you know, let's look at the, the situation where he didn't accept the penalty. Those type of things where you may look at a coach who's been around the NFL for 30 years as a no-brainer, he goes against it. Do you ever notice in his press conferences, you know what he says a lot? Like, let's read between the lines. And, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn here real quick because – you guys know me as some sports guy, but my background has been in news, and I did a, a lot of great research and, and, and studying. And, and when it was when I was in Beaumont for Lamar University, he says we a lot. We thought we exactly, thought. We exactly. Thought. We thought. Well, we thought that this was the best decision. And by the way, by the way, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you go back and you take a look at all the other 31 coaches around the league, it's not we. It's I. It's me. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I don't know if Cully, you know, was a had a minor in French or not, but it's a lot of we going on. And I in this conversation, you know, helped me look at that silver lining and say, well, is the we because it was a collective agreement that you know this is what's going to happen, and this agreement that you are in on, you just so happen to be at the bottom of the, uh, you know, hyperbole, hyperbole uh, total pole. And so that's something that catches me off guard a lot. He, I know he's like a team player kind of guy, got that first win, and we know how much of a, you know, a team player this guy is as a coach, man. Like players, Mark Ingram loves him. Cooks loves him. Players doesn't necessarily have much to say bad about them, at least so far. But what did Merciless say? We got to fix problems at the top. Cully isn't at the top. Cully is one of those guys. He's like a sergeant. When you go out to battle and you have your front line and then you have the guys in the middle and then Cully's out on the field. He may not be the front man, but he's out on that field. And he does say we too much. I'm not going to say for my liking, but I think he just says we too much. The last thing that I wanted to look at was the second half play calling in a lot of these games that Cody highlighted, the Patriots game. That second second half play calling was atrocious. I don't want to mention the Cleveland game because, granted, they just lost their starting quarterback, and this was the first time a rookie quarterback played in the NFL uh, in a regular season game. But let's look at the Panther game. Right. Those are a couple of games where you look at the play calling and you you immediately say, what the hell was this? And so I say all of that to say, 
grace needs to be allowed. That's number one. But number two, it's obvious that I'm not going to say that they're bumping heads. And I, I may not necessarily go as far as saying there's a power struggle. I think there is an understand, understanding issue. And the understanding is Cully wants to win games. As a first-year head coach in a situation where he's in where you've never been a head coach before and you don't want to leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, you want to win games to shut people up, right? Because when you got the job, it was uh, the, the, the headlines that I saw on some of these texts and blogs were placeholder. Uh, who's going to be next? And how long did you give it? He got the immediate who's going to be the first head coach fire with better line. And I think he had one of the highest outside of Matt Nagy, the highest odds. You don't want that. And he's been put in that position. So he wants wins. Casario doesn't necessarily value wins. And we know this simply because right now he said this out of his own mouth that they value evaluation over, uh, I want to say productivity. And that sucks for David Cully because ultimately he is not the one making the final call. I don't know how far on the totem pole is he with call making, decision making. And, and that's just me. I hate to see this for this young coach with a young team that's struggling the way they are. But a lot of things are pretty evident, in my opinion. As I mentioned earlier in the show, this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's a place where family and friends can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they will have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of McDonald's French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to on a long road trip where your legs can refuel. And I just want to say this. If somebody say... Locked on Texan watch party over here at the Summerwood location. I'm not sure. So head to your local McDonald's today to refuel and reconnect. And <clears throat> bye, 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 bye. I'm loving it. McDonald's. And I also want to tell you guys about the Get Upside app. Incredible free app. Get upside where you can make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TESTDOWN for NFL, baseball for MLB, or hockey for NHL and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cent cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Very important discussion, I think, in the uh, first segment there, Cody and I had about whether or not there's a power struggle, struggle between David Cully and the front office. But I wanted to have another discussion. As we look at Houston, who will be, you know, they're on their bye week right now. They come off of their bye week. They play the Tennessee Titans, and I wanted to look what can Houston do to close out this year where they can get a win? And when I say a win, I know wins necessarily, you know, when you, when you hear the word win, you think of the win column, getting a win in the win column. I don't have any faith Houston gets another win this year. Okay. 
I, I think maybe Detroit gets another win, and and that will put them at one in sixteen. You know, together, and the NFL will figure out how they're going to give which team the, you know, number one pick. But I think there's a lot of things you can look forward to for the rest of the season where you can say Houston won in this area, okay? Number one for me, Cody, I think a big win for Houston would be a jump in the ring game. I think so. You just signed Royce Freeman. You know, I, I expect that he will be getting a lot of playing times, especially since you signed him on a bye week. So you don't necessarily have to give him on that practice squad week before a game while you're playing the game. He's coming in and he'll have that opportunity, excuse me, to practice, get a little bit familiar before the actual next game. And I think he's a player that can add a different dynamic to this run game. Not much, not major, but that run game collectively between maybe now Royce Freeman, David Johnson, uh, Rex Burkhead. I think that he's a guy that can help to it. And I think that it will be a huge win for Houston. The, everything right now for the Houston Texans is for the future, right? And also, if you are improving in that run game, I expect the improvement comes between the tackles, between the tackle guard, center tackle, uh, center guard tackle. And so those two improvements in pass protection and run blocking more so, I think that'll be a win for Houston as they look forward to closing out their season and getting ready for the NFL draft. Uh, I like those picks, John, but to me, I think the biggest win for the Houston Texans for the second half of the season is something that I've been talking about for, let's say, six out of the last nine weeks of the season now, and that is just developing your young players in these final eight games of the season. Um, and, and when I say developing your young player players, putting them out on the field, I'm not talking just about just giving – these young guys snaps no at the end of the day a guy like brevin jordan in the final eight games of the regular season i want to see him start um the same thing especially for nico collins you know look <laughs> chris Conley, he isn't the future um nico collins from what we have seen through the first nine games of his young career that guy is the future start him on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage with brandon cooks on that defensive line start Roy Lopez a little bit more. Let's see if Roy Lopez can, de can develop some type of um, dynamic tandem alongside John Grenard to see if that's something that can actually be more of a building block for this organization moving forward. And I'm not just talking about the rookies. I'm talking about any type of young player that you can think of, even Ross Blacklock, who I do believe these last eight games of the regular season is going to determine whether or not he's going to have a job with the Houston Texans come next year. Um, Ross Blacklock is another guy that actually needs um, just a little bit more snaps. I know he's been playing when healthy, but I want to see him feature just a little bit more because at the end of the day, they said the best experience, the best teaching is experience. And when I take a look at the Houston Texans, you talk about the young guys, you're talking about the rebuilding project. Of course, 
they need to evaluate these guys. But a handful of these players, like a Nico Collins, like a Davis Mills, we actually had this conversation um, a couple of days ago. We were talking about whether or not the Texans should start him over Tyrod Taylor. Not that he's the better quarterback over Tyrod, which, I mean, Taylor really didn't do himself any type of favors um, after that performance against the Miami Dolphins. But at the end of the day, the evaluation is important, but you still have to get these guys some experience because the more experience they have, the faster they can find their niche in the NFL and the faster they can actually find their niche in the NFL, the better this team can become. Because look, at the end of the day, we all know a rebuilding process is what? Three years at the minimum. And you look at the Houston Texans and out of 53 players that step out on well actually 52 because one guy who's on a 53 man roster doesn't want to play but when you take a look at the 52 men that actually dress up and step foot on that field i think we can make an argument that two players might be worth keeping around and one of them is john Gennard. the other one maybe john I, like i'm having a hard time just figuring out who the second player could be oh nico collins it's nico collins so that, that well, that's two that's two well i definitely you know i kind of think that he should bring back laramie tunsil i don't, I don't think oh well back. well yeah okay laramie tunsil but i mean looking at the way this organization is looking i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they ship laramie tunsil off this this for this upcoming offseason especially if they can get a good value back in return um I don't but think, at, i think that's actually a, a possibility yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I say, you know, when you take a look at the 52 men who's dressing up, I can only count two, maybe three in terms of Justin Reed. But I do believe Reed is walking out that door for six and Kirby doing free agency if they don't franchise tag him. But long story short, you take a look at all these young guys that the Houston Texans have, even free men. I understand evaluation is important, but at the end of the day, like I just mentioned, the faster these young guys can find their niche, the better this rebuilding process could be. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, more odds, more lines than never before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to the website, the updated desktop or mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just using our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest way and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports because bet online is where the game starts. And of course, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the national expert analysis for the NFL in less than 30 minutes. It is free and available on all platforms. I think we had a great opportunity to just discuss where Houston can go from, from where they are now, right? Uh, with the power struggle, as you like to put it, Cody, where can they go for this first-year head coach and how can they move forward? Uh, in terms of a win, what can they count as wins? Where can they go from the last time we saw they play saw them play football to the next time we're going to see them play football against the Tennessee Titans? And how can they, you know, go forward from there? I think it's a very important conversation that we can have very briefly about 
this franchise, this organization reinstilling trust with their fan base. And I see it all the time, ladies and gentlemen. And you guys are going to comment it on uh, the YouTube page. I'm, I already know what you're going to say. Fire Jack Easterby. Uh, fire Cal McNair. Uh, tell the team. <laughs> tell the team. Jeff Bezos is coming. Like, I already know what you're going to say. And I have been critical of fans ever since I started being a professional broadcaster in 2015 i've been i've been critical because you know i do think there is a there is a part of the fan base for every fan base can, that can just go too far but i don't think that's the case for the houston texans and i see the radical texan fans and i love it you know you guys are just you know Sad about the situation. Just two years ago, you were up 24-0 on Kansas City Chiefs. And I get that. But this franchise has done an egregious job. And I do mean a terrible job of rewarding their franchise, their fans. And I think the first step that you can do with reinstilling trust in your fan base, number one, is draft correctly. And this has been a team where I would say, Cody, they may hit it in the first round, but they struggle in the second round. They struggle in the third round. They struggle in the later rounds. And so just draft correctly. Talk this season up to what it is. You know, you've done a good job so far of, of, of making games super available. Tickets are like $15. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, you guys, here's a, here's a, get the $15 tickets, and at the end of the first quarter, just walk down. Nobody's going to stop you. right? I, I, I do this all the time. Nobody's going to say, hey, what are you doing? Move and flashlight you. They're probably going to show you to a better seat or something at the NRG Stadium right now, the security guards. But I think they have to draft right. I think so. Like They have to because it's evident that you're, you're playing for the draft. Okay. But don't play for the draft like the Jaguars did and end up in the same situation the Jaguars are in right now. Well, John, when I take a look at this topic, how can the Texans instill trust with the fan base? I think the Texans need to be completely honest with their fan base and say, just come out, and I know they're not going to do it, but come out and say we screwed up a promising era in franchise history and give the fans – an outline, a plan on how they're going to better this organization and better the product on the field by that. And what I mean by that is... Wouldn't that be the draft? Yes and no. Going into OTAs, going into training camp, we was fed... We was fed lies. <laughs> how this team is going to be better than what we all expect. How this team is going to come out and compete how this team is, is trying to establish a winning culture. We all fed into it. I fed into it. John, you fed into it. Listeners and viewers, you fed into it. Everybody, don't look at me like that. We all fed into it in one way or another. And here we are sitting here on November 11th, 2021, and this is possibly arguably the worst team in franchise history. 
this and, and and I hate to bring this up, and I understand it's two totally different organizations, but of course I bring it up, bring it up because I also cover this team, and that's the Houston Rockets. After they departed from James Harden, what did the general manager Raphael Stone do? He looked at the fan base and said, look, we tried everything we could with the James Harden era. We had to move on, and this is our plan, and this is how we're going to rebuild the Houston Rockets back to a winnable foundation. They gave the fans a plan that they can actually get behind, and that's why when you take a look at the Rockets, it's just a little bit more promising. Even if you want to go back a little bit further and look at the Houston Astros, they had a plan. We're going to develop these guys in our form system. And you look six years later, they're winning the, the, the World Series. Yes, I understand the issues that the Houston Texans are facing is a hell of a lot more deeper than the Rockets are facing now. And, of course, the Astros a couple of years ago. But this fan base, this, this organization, the ownership and everybody involved, they just need to come out and say, look, we screwed up the most promising era in franchise history. This is how we're going to rebuild it, and this is what we're going to correct. And, John, to your point about drafting correctly, what is something that I just said on yesterday? What is something that I just said last week? And I'm probably going to continuously say it until something changed. The one way the Texans can learn from this experience Get better from it is to fix the transgressions that got you behind in this mess to begin with. Because at the end of the day, regardless of what was going on behind closed doors off of 16 and Kirby, there is no way in hell with the number of generational talents that you had in that locker room less than, what, 24 months ago, you should be sitting here with a one in eight record and you're looking like the worst team in franchise history there are people that are saying that the inaugural team back in 2002 is a hell of a lot better than this team in 2021 i'm john hickman of the locked on texas podcast make sure you guys follow us on twitter at locked on texans and subscribe to the youtube page at locked on texans as well and as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are locked on Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.